following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Amen. Thank you, Lily. It's the very Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much. Palm Sunday. Uh, wow. The children brought us in right. Um, I was blown away. I don't know how many children were out here. It looked about looked like about 300. I don't know. But um, what a blessing. Thank you, Edith, and uh, for all others that uh, worked so diligently with our children. It was obvious, and uh, what a blessing. As we come to God's Word this morning, let's just take a minute of silence. Um, are you expecting God to do something? Um, pray that He might do something right now in the next few minutes. Let's take a moment of silence. Father, we need you. We don't need to hear from a man, nor a man's ideas. We need to hear from your word. And I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts and open our ears and open our eyes, that we may see and hear what is true. God, reorient the worship and the commitments of our hearts and desires to you, because you are the source of life. Father, come by your Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your life, death, and resurrection. May we be drawn higher up and deeper into you in the coming moments. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if y'all saw this, but uh, President Zelensky, the President of Ukraine, drove into Moscow yesterday in a, in a VW Bug to the delight of Ukrainian nationals there, they were throwing their coats in the street. They were singing, save us, our rightful president. <laughs> and of course you didn't see that because it didn't happen. But is that not a picture of what Jesus is doing? At the end of chapter 11 of John, we read, Now the chief priests and Pharisees have given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. At this moment in time, Jesus was the most wanted man in the world, just like President Zelensky. <laughs> just like Putin wants his head, so the chief priests and the Pharisees wanted the head of Jesus, and they would eventually get it by the end of the day, but that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus would do something. He would do something that no king can do. He would rise from the dead, vanquishing its power. And think about that. Think about if Zelensky did ride into Moscow. And the VW bug is very much like uh, the, the donkey's colt. In the sense that the VW bug is a, is a vehicle of peace. You're not attacking anybody with a VW bug, and you're not attacking anybody with a donkey's colt. It's ludicrous, and yet that's what Jesus did. Why? To win our peace. And so if Zelensky went into Moscow 
and he was uh, arrested and tried for, uh, you know, attempting a coup or an uprising, and he was convicted, and he was publicly executed. And then three days later, I mean, everybody saw it, and then three days later, Zelensky is walking around the city telling people to follow him, and that if they believed in him, they too could have power over death. Can you imagine? Can, let your imagination go for just a minute. Would there not be a, a new immediate kingdom created? This kingdom would be, uh, um, it, it would rise above all other kingdoms. Why? Because the threat of death would be gone. <laughs> and, and that's precisely what Jesus has done. He has ended the empty threats of the Putins of the world. I will kill you. I die, I live. <laughs> I'll take your money. Oh, I've got treasure and glory that will never perish, spoil, or fade. I'll humiliate you publicly. Oh, I'm a chosen child of the king, and nothing can separate me from his love. I will throw you in the gulag. Oh, well, my God will be there with me. His steadfast love and his faithfulness will support me. Do you understand what Jesus has done for you? Jesus rides in as king, and he's not the kind of king the people thought was going to ride in. Because they're the very ones, many of them, shouting, crucify, crucify at the end of the week. And yet they're also the very ones that say, my king and my savior, when he rises from the dead. You see, friends, what we have is a king who changes our lives. A king whose kingdom is within the kingdoms of the world, but it is above, under, and over all the kingdoms of the world. And we have to ask ourselves on this Palm Sunday, who is our king? Who are we really trusting as our king this morning? Who are we following? And the first thing we need to see is that we all want a king. We all desperately want a king. I was in, and that's exactly how Jesus presents himself in Jerusalem, even though uh, in weakness and in peace. I was struck by this whole idea of how much we want a king over the last several years. I think of um, President Barack Obama's inauguration. What an amazing day that was. Millions upon millions of people filling the Capitol. And he is inaugurated, and, and he and Michelle, First Lady Michelle Obama, are in um, the presidential limo going um, up um, Pennsylvania Avenue toward the White House, and, and of course, they stop, and the crowd goes crazy, even crazier, and they get out, and throngs of people are, are, are shouting and screaming and crying because their king has come. And I contrast that with the violence of January 6th. Those who wanted their king, who, who thought that their, their king was um, unjustly dethroned, and they were fighting in their minds for their king. And, and that's really where we find not only our country, but that's really where we find human beings throughout the ages. We either want a lion or we want a lamb, but you can't find both except for one. And his name is Jesus. Jesus riding in, he rides in as a lamb, but oh, he rises like a lion. 
Jesus is the king that we all want. And yet we keep clamoring for a king on this earth. But why? It makes no sense. I, I was a history major. And I'm telling you, there's never been a king who came through on their promises. Every king lets us down in some way or another. All the skepticism of especially our Gen Zers, skeptical of everything. Why? Because you grew up. I mean, you came to, um, you were really, your mind was really being engaged during the time that, of, of all the uprising in, um, in our country. And, and you're skeptical. And yet you still want a king. Why? You just want a different king, maybe. But why? Maybe we have been created to have a king. Just maybe we were made to have a king, to be ruled. And yet, though we fight politically, and though we get engaged politically, and we should be engaged politically, the best that Zelensky can do right now is to win peace for Ukrainians, but he can do nothing for the inner unrest of the people of Ukraine. He cannot come and calm their fears at night. He cannot come in their hearts and do something about their guilt and shame. He can only do something outwardly. You see, we were made for a king. We are all longing for a king who is both over us and in us who is ruling externally and internally. And that is who the Scriptures present Jesus as. He is the Lamb who, who will um, sit by the woman at the well who has had five husbands, and the man she's living within is not her own, and, and he can win her trust with his gentleness and his meekness and his patience and his kindness and his truth. But we also want a king who will look at the devil, who would look at sin, who will look at death and say, try, come on, take it, to accomplish Good Friday where he is crucified, murdered unjustly, and yet on Sunday morning rises to glory in all power. We want a lion and a lamb to rule over us, one who knows us, but one who can defend us. One who loves us like, with a love like we can't even, even possibly comprehend, yet we were made for, and yet one who can indeed defend us against all our enemies. That's the kind of king we want, and that's the kind of king we have in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the king that we all want, and we all want a king. But secondly, Jesus is a king Unlike any other kings, he is a king who is free to die. Jesus is a king who is free to die. I was thinking about two different funerals this week. That of Hugh Hefner and that of Mother Teresa. Uh, why was I thinking about those two? I have no idea. I tried to think about the most extreme modern day illustration I could possibly come from. Um, Hugh Hefner, obviously the, the one who started uh, the magazine Playboy um, and really was an out front leader in the sexual revolution. What in the world do you say at his funeral? Oh, this was a man who gave him. What do you say at Hugh Hefner's funeral? 
And, and that's why there were just a few family members and a couple of close friends, probably. But contrast that with Mother Teresa. 15,000 people attended Mother Teresa's funeral. Presidents, kings, queens, state dignitaries, and the poor of Calcutta. And what did she do? She did nothing but give herself. She did nothing but give herself away. Hugh Hefner, a single seed, if you will. Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat, one seed, falls and dies, it remains a single seed. Hugh Hefner, a single seed, unwilling to die for anybody, demanding everyone die for him. Mother Teresa dying for the lowest of the low daily as a natural bent of her life. Hugh Hefner making millions, experiencing uh, feeding his desires and experiencing pleasure beyond measure. Mother Teresa taking a vow of chastity, giving her life away, never making money. Any money she got, she gave away or gave to the poor. I ask you this today. Who was most free? Hugh Hefner or Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa. <laughs> Anybody can live for themselves. Anybody can go after money, power, fame, sex. Anybody can worship beauty. But who can let all of that go and live a life demanding to not be in front of the camera? but demanding to be with the poorest of the poor, with, with those who, whose body odor is repulsive. Who is most free, Hugh Hefner or Mother Teresa? I think we would all have to say it has to be Mother Teresa. And friends, that is what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus is not just giving us some teaching. Unless a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Ah, oh, great children's sermon, Jesus. He was showing us the nature of his life and the nature of life itself. Do you want to find flourishing, Jesus says? Do you want to find the secret of really living? Then give yourself away. But give yourself away to whom? To the glory of God and to the good of your neighbor. This is what he says. Hebrews 12, 20 writes, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. He, for the joy set before him, what was the joy set before him? But the glory of the Father and the good of the hundreds of thousands of millions that would believe on his name and, and be raised to new life and live eternally in the new heaven and a new earth. This is what we see in the scriptures. Jesus says in John 6, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will like Hugh Hefner and Hugh Hefners of the world and like Richard Reeves much, much of the time and just like you. I have not come down from heaven to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus as a servant. <laughs> and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
Jesus' life mission was to glorify God his Father and enjoy him and win the salvation of others. Friends, is that the bent of your life? Is, that's what, is that what is driving you in your work? Is it personal recognition and personal kingdom, or is it God and his kingdom? Is your life lived simply for you, or are, or are you using what you have to bless somebody else? Are you just wanting to be lifted high, or are you wanting to, get, to gain power or, or, or influence that you might lift others up? Do you see the difference? It's massive. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus literally leveraged his power for the good of others and the glory of his Father. Freedom, dear friends, is letting go. All of our insecurities, all of our fears, all of our anxieties point to one thing, and that is control. And we all have them. We all want to control, we, and yet freedom is falling into the Father's arms and saying, your will be done, not mine. Is that where you are this morning? This is what Palm Sunday is calling us to. Jesus goes into Jerusalem knowing how the, the week is going to end. He goes into Jerusalem fully understanding that, that Isaiah's prophecies are going to be fulfilled. He will die for our, he will be punished for our transgressions. He will be crushed for our iniquities. But oh, the punishment that was upon him will bring his people peace. That's what Jesus was about. This is what Jesus is calling us to. Whoever loves his life loses it, verse 25. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Do you know what it means to hate your life? Do you know what it means not to hate your life because of the circumstances, but to say, I give it up for the, good of, for the glory of God and the good of my neighbor? And then thirdly and finally, Jesus is a king who frees us to produce many seeds. I can't help but think of my good friend, Kirk Ackeson. He died at the end of February. I lost my mother in December, my stepfather in January, and one of my top three best friends in February. Quite a ending and beginning of, uh, I'm ready for 2023 already. Um, but I, I preached the funeral of uh, my good friend. And one thing you need to know is if you were in a room with Kirk, you felt like you were the only one in that room. And practically every time I would speak to him on the phone, he would, he would say, Richard, I love you. And if I didn't say it back, he, and he had the best sense of humor, he would say, ah, typically when somebody says, I love you, you say, I love you back. I love you, Kirk. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I love you. That's just Kirk. But as we got together in, you know, to celebrate his life and, and to remember the gospel and the hope of the new heaven, the new earth, and the resurrection power of Jesus, I looked around the room, and I wasn't the only one he was saying, I love you to. Person after person told me that exact same story, and I was like, wait a minute. I thought he was my friend. And there is this room packed, people standing in the back, and it was so diverse. I was so, I, I had to preach the, the funeral, and Sergi came to uh, my mother's funeral. He said, that was the first white funeral I've ever been to, and like, it's like silent, you know. And I'm like, I know, man, it's painful. It's painful. And so I, 
I was so afraid that Kirk's funeral, and Kirk was planting a multi-ethnic, multi-class church in North Nashville. I was thinking, Lord, please, I just have one request. Don't let it just be a bunch of white people. And it wasn't. From the drug dealer on the corner in his neighborhood to across the board, white preachers, black preachers, Hispanic preachers, it was one of the most beautiful crowds I've ever seen. And that funeral was glorious. But why? Not because he died on his day of death, but because he lived a life of death. Because he, he walked up to people. He, he, he wasn't comfortable. He, didn't, he wasn't raised around drug dealers on the corner. And yet, that's where he went. Because he knew from his own story and his own experience that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and yet all are justified through Christ Jesus. And that's what we saw in this room, the evidence of a life lived in death. How did Jesus have the strength to die? Not just, how did, Je how did God himself have the, the security in himself to be born to a woman, a teenage girl, and not be lauded as king of the world. That's all he had known at that point. How did Jesus uh, not have a place to lay his head and be okay with that? How did Jesus give himself over and over again? How did he... How did he have the patience with Peter to walk with him when that dude was just, you know, denying him and walking away from him? All of his disciples ultimately would betray him. How did Jesus have the, the fortitude to be able to die? It's because he was secure in who he was in his father. He believed his father's words. That, that his father loved him, that his father treasured him, that his father would not abandon him, that even when the circumstances of life and everything in life was telling you it was bad, that it, it had to be good because it was coming through the hands and the heart and the mind of his father. And friends, that's what you and I have right now. We have the exact same thing that Jesus did, namely the affirmation and the confirmation of God's love, and we have it from Jesus himself who came to live, die, and rise that this morning we might know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Father is for us at every single point. And even in those places where you feel betrayed, even in those places that you feel alone, you are not alone. The Father is with you. That is what... Jesus knew, and this is the kind of life that secured him. It's not death and self-denial for death and self-denial's sake. If everybody this morning leaves here and says, okay, I'm going to give up this, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to do the best I can, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to really die. You aren't going to do it. And if you do, you'll be the most arrogant dead person in the world because it'll all be in your strength, and that is not what we're being called to here. We're being called to drink in the love of God 
and have so much security in Him. We, we talk about self-care. We think we need a massage and a couple of days off in order to give ourselves away. What we need is the love of God. And this is not a, believe me, I love days off and I love massages. Got one a couple of weeks ago. But that is not what we're being called to. Where are we going to have the fortitude to give ourselves away without a frown on our face, but with joy and gladness? For the joy set before us that we might know one day, someday, we're going to get to glory and we're going to say it was all worth it. That there is a Father in heaven who is dancing over us with joy this morning, whether I am out dying to myself or whether I'm living for myself. Why? Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus himself. It is drinking in the reality of his love for us. He came to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we can't pay. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. So, friends, we have one to go to, to draw down on. I'm telling you, love is the hardest decision. Because you choose to love, you're going to get betrayed. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt so bad, it's going to, you're going to wonder if it's even worth loving anymore. You're going to say, I am done giving myself away. And, friends, it's going to happen in this room with people in this room. I am going to hurt you. You are going to hurt me. How do we get beyond that? Go find another church? Me go find another church? Or is it through repentance and faith and saying, but Father, you love me. You don't give up on me. You keep moving toward me. And I keep hurting you over and over and over, but all, all you give me is love, and I'm going to draw down on your love, and I'm going to try to love again. That is the glory and the dance of the gospel. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Do you need to drink in Jesus this morning? A single seed. I was digging up a flower pot this week, actually last week. And I found this acorn about six inches down on this flower pot. And I grabbed it and I pulled it. And what came out? A root. And I thought, what? How, number one, how in the world did that get in my flower pot? Because there are no oak trees around it. There's this ugly sap tree that I just really want my neighborhood to take away. It's horrible. It gets all over the cars and everything. I guess a bird may have dropped it or a squirrel. They've got a bunch of squirrels. Maybe a squirrel dropped it. And so I was thinking about that, of what this little acorn could have been if Richard Reeves didn't dig it up. And let's see the picture of what it could have been. From that came that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What would happen if all of us in this room, I mean, what happened to this acorn is I took it away from its source of life. Bad me. But what would happen if we all dug deep into the source of life that we have, whose name is Jesus. What would our lives look like? How would our marriages, how would our homes, how would our neighborhoods, how would our families, how would our workplace, how would this world look different if we looked like that and not like this? You know, the only thing that this has to do to stay like this is to protect itself and refuse to fall into the earth and die. 
to, to spend all of its money on how it looks and what car it gets around in and, you know, the job that makes it happy and all that seed has to do to not turn into that is to be utterly focused on self. And all it has to do to turn out like that is to fall in the ground and die. What do you want to do this morning? Where do you want your life to go? Fall into the arms of Jesus. Drink in his love, not just one time a day, but 150 times a day. Spend time in his presence, drawing down on his love that you might go out and die for somebody. That that love might be so poured in you that you might pour it out on others. As we get ready for communion here in the moment, I'm going to ask that a few, I, I need our elders to help serve communion. So if you're a community group leader or um, just a prayer leader, you're willing to uh, meet with people in prayer. I'd love for some people over here and over here. And during communion, right now, whenever you want to, go to somebody and just ask for prayer. If, if you feel burdened, if you feel like God is maybe calling you to something that was too much, go to someone and offload that burden. Let somebody pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that your arms are wide open this morning. Thank you that the soil is ready for us to just drop and die. That we might let you produce life in and through us like we've never known before. Oh God, help us to die more. Help us to die that we might live. Help us to fall into your love, oh God. Help us to jump into your glory you were glorified in Jerusalem because you died. Oh, God, may we reflect your glory by dying ourselves. And, Father, even as we come to eat and drink and remember, I pray that you would strengthen our faith, empower our repentance, convict us even of more sin, that we might let it go to have more of you. God, meet us at these tables. Meet us at these elements. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord let the light of his face shine upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, dear friends.